Well, what a good morning so far. Well, this is a very special morning. We get to have Pastor Dave Wells, who is the superintendent of PAOC Canada. I, this is, wow, this is really, really awesome. So this is an absolute treat for us. We're so grateful to have Dave and Susan. Thank you so much for coming. And um, yeah, like it's been, I think we said four years since last time Dave has got to be here. And so this is a real treat. And so uh, whip open your journals, uh, get your pens ready. Because uh, we've got some great things to hear from Pastor Dave. So would you welcome Pastor Dave this morning? Oh, so good to be here. And uh, thank you, Dr. Demchuk. <laughs> we've been working on this invite for a while, so I appreciate David making it possible along with his campus pastors. You guys are amazing. Thank Kim and Gavin for serving the way you do. Good to be with Diane. And uh, Dave and Diane, Sue and I, served together back before some of you were born. That's the honest truth. You don't need to know that. But uh, So uh, it's nice to have colleagues and friends throughout the years. Good to see some of my colleagues and friends out in the audience there hiding. Melody's really hiding, but anyways, she probably knows that this message is aimed for her. Not really, so. <laughs> so uh, it's a privilege to have a warm relationship with Summit. I was the uh, chair of the board for several years when I served as BC UConn superintendent. We still have our house in North Delta, so uh, we're, we're partially BC people. I was born and raised in Alberta, so any of you prairie folks, uh, you know, here we go, Oilers. Here, Anyways, now that wasn't wise. I'm going to talk about, you know, and now I just destroyed your, uh, at least I don't cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But anyways, uh, (laughs) so all the Ontario people hate me now, even though I live there. We live in Burlington, so uh, yeah. My wife's from the Maritimes. Does that get a roar out of anybody? Any Maritimers? All right. Her, uh, her mother was uh, French-Canadian. Do we got any French-Canadians? Whoa. What? Pourquoi? But um, when uh, David mentioned the uh, theme that you're into, it really ignited me. Uh, the reality is, is that uh, as a macro leader in the life of the church in Canada and around the world, I think, uh, especially at times like this, um, we really underestimate the value of wisdom. And uh, wisdom is either going to make you or break you. It's just that simple. Wisdom is either going to make you or break you. As a woman or a man, as someone called by Jesus, in your relationships, in the life of the church, in your mission, wisdom is going to make you or break you. I've just become so convinced of that, not just from experience, but also from the scriptures. Actually, I have a 10-page outline I made for myself out of the Proverbs, just so I could have practical understanding 
Because when you read the Proverbs, it comes at you in so many different directions. And one minute you're reading about sex, and the next minute you're reading about money, and then all of a sudden that woman who drives you out into the wilderness. And, you know, it's kind of like, what's that all about, right? So it's like you want to bring it all back. And you go, okay, what are the thematic understandings from Proverbs that we should all really grasp, and especially those of us in leadership? So I've got my 10-page outline with me, and it breaks down into seven main themes, and I've got uh, 28 minutes. <laughs> uh, maybe I can pass on some notes after the fact, all right? I got my PDF of my notes that I made back in Broadway in the 90s, and they're still there. But uh, So... Within the Proverbs is this trio, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Uh, let's go back one. We're going to read the scriptures. Oh, there we are. There we go. So look at that passage. That's the passage I prayed on the day I entered college at uh, Vanguard in Edmonton as a 17-year-old before I'd even met Susan there. Okay, it was September, way back in the previous century. That scripture was the scripture I prayed that day. My son, if you accept my words and store up my command, I actually get emotional about it because this has been my anchor for over 40 years. My son, if you accept my words, store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden tre treasure. See, there's this building intensity that uh, the writer of the proverb is trying to communicate to us about the importance of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Search for it as a hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The passage continues. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield for those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just. See, this is the byproduct of getting it right about knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. These are the byproducts. He protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Everybody wants things to be right and just and fair right now. But they're not going to get it right and just and fair if they don't understand everything you just read before now. Because there's rootedness in where rightness, justness, and fairness comes from. For wisdom will enter your heart. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. Lord, this is your word. It's living, it's active, and it can transform our lives in this place today. Let that happen, we ask. In Jesus' great name, amen. So, my passion for you today is to understand this interconnected trio of knowledge. Knowledge is the data. Knowledge is what you can learn about things. And in life, 
and in spiritual life and in walking with God, there's things to know. That's why you're here, partially. <laughs> it's to know stuff. It's good to know stuff. I prefer talking to people who know stuff than people who are ignorant. Anybody else? <laughs> like it's good to know stuff. Dave Demchuk knows more about pens than anybody should know on the planet. You know, he knows stuff. He understands how they work. Because understanding is to comprehend the meaning. It's one thing to know stuff. It's one thing to have facts. A lot of sports people that know a lot more facts about sports than the athletes. I've watched it. I'm involved in sports chaplain. I've seen people come up to athletes and start spouting stats and all excited, and the athletes going, what? <laughs> you know, who cares? You know, I'm like, they understand how to play the game. Now, that's pretty good. See, knowledge without understanding, uh, the Bible actually warns about that. Uh, too often that leads to arrogancy, leads to pride. Uh, it's actually a pitfall to a lot of things. The knowledge God gives us is always intended to come with understanding. I could say I knew a lot about marriage before I married Susan. I read some books, took some premarital counseling courses with our pastor, who told a story about orange crates and, uh, you know, how to live cheap as college students. You know, that was good wisdom, you know, but it's one thing to know about marriage, read the books. It's another thing to really understand and go, oh, <laughs> that's what they're saying. And then to apply that, knowledge and understanding with wisdom to the different scenarios that come up in a marriage. So a lot of marriages crash and burn because it's about more than knowledge or it's about more than, uh, you know, just the wish. You've got to be into it to really understand and then apply wisdom as you go about a loving relationship. Boy, it's apples and oranges to what you see portrayed in so much of our culture today. Like, who can understand covenantal love from God unless the Spirit makes that alive to you? And then as you understand covenantal love, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave herself up for it. Okay. Now you're going from just knowing about marriage understanding what we're talking about within the context of a Christian covenantal marriage. God give us wisdom how to live it out. So wisdom is to apply the knowledge and understanding in real time, in your priorities, in your attitudes, in your actions, and of course that includes speech, relationships. Um, that's where the rubber hits the road. Are we talking about wisdom or just somebody who knows a bunch of stuff? Or somebody who knows stuff and actually understands it but then refuses to live it out, isn't wise, but chooses to be foolish, unwise. Can you say crash and burn? <laughs> wisdom will make you or break you. 
So, I wonder why the Proverbs over and over again say, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. So, the foundation for wisdom, as the scriptures point out, is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9, 10 to 12, of course, uh, keystone to the Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. The wise live life conscious of the presence of God in every area of their life. And that's why it was so good the way Kim introduced even our chapel today. The presence of God is beautiful in places like this. It is. We, we welcome the Lord. We're glad he's right here right now. But boy, to have the presence of God in every context of life, whatever you're going to walk into, everything from church dynamics to relationships to family uh, to facing the opposition of people who think you're an idiot for following Jesus to responding to God's call and going places that if you don't go with the presence of God, it's going to be painful. This, this is why I'm so glad it's part of our spiritual heritage to emphasize the Spirit of God and the presence of God because it's all, always been emphasized in the Scriptures. Any calling of God to a young man or young woman in the Scriptures always comes with primarily only one promise. You know what it is? I'll be with you. doesn't say it's going to be easy. Never promised that to Mary, never promised it to Gideon, never promised to anyone else. But what God does promise is his presence. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One brings understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many and your years will be added to your life. If you're wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, in other words, you choose against wisdom, you're going to crash and burn. So the wise live life conscious of the presence of God in every area of life. This is where you get into the, this is personal, just my own categorization, although, you know, I did some reading and study. You should do that. <laughs> and uh, Proverbs addresses these seven areas where the wise live life conscious of the presence of God. The first one is in their pursuit of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Proverbs 10.8, the wise in heart accept commands. Proverbs 10.14, the wise store up knowledge. I go back to Proverbs chapter 2 and why it's so key is this passion, this to accept, to store out, to turn your ear, to apply your heart, call out for it, cry aloud, look for it as silver, like it's a hidden treasure. In everything, again, Proverbs 4, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. You have to know that our God, who is the God of all knowledge, wisdom, understanding, wants to pour it out on your life. It's open-handed. 
He's given you his word. He's given you his spirit. If we walk in the presence of God, if we know that we want to enshrine the Almighty where God our Creator belongs, the fear of the Lord, I'm not in charge of my life. You're not in charge of your life if you understand how you're created in his image for his glory. You have the privilege of having the Almighty overseeing your life, guiding your life, providing for your life. So as we understand that, in the great fear of God, we submit ourselves and we say, Lord, I want to know your wisdom. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. That's my highest calling. That's what I'm created for. And when I know you, when I know you, really, when I really understand, when I crack open those great reformed books on the character of nature of God, and I read Arthur Pink, or I read Packer, or I read, you know, I read some of these great books, and and you're reading about the character of God and the nature of God. You can read and you can have knowledge. You can get knowledge about who God is. But boy, when you're in the presence of God, and the Spirit of God comes, and those words leap off the page, and you're passionate to know what does it mean to have a God who's full of grace and truth. What does grace look like? What does mercy look like in a, in a context, in a time when you've been called for such a time as this to be grace and truth to this country and to this planet? Well, don't just have a head knowledge about it. You've got to know him. You've got to know Jesus. And as a macro leader, let me tell you, there's times I'm at a table and we're applying a policy and I will literally feel convicted by God that I'm the Pharisee. Because, you see, as the Lord makes more and more real to you grace and truth, truth matters. Truth sets free. I can't dumb it down for you. Don't dumb down Christianity to just be what makes us feel good. You see, all over Canada, young men and young women, I'm talking to youth pastors. I'm talking to young adult leaders. I'm in uh, short-term cohorts with them. And as I listen to them, their fear is, is that so many young men and young women are determining truth based on the emotional feel it gives. That's foolish. That will be your rune. Truth sets free. Truth is rooted in the character and nature of God. Truth is found in his living, active word. And it lets every woman rise to the dignity that she's called to. It lets every man be who God calls him to be. Strong in the Lord and the power of his might. To be filled with his spirit. Each of us equally. Being about God's call in our lives. So. We pursue. Life doesn't just end up where it ends up by accident. Now, I'm not into heavy determin 
Nism and Skinner. You know, it's, I'm not going there. But where I'm going is you make a series of wise choices, and the Scripture says you'll be blessed. So, I made a wise choice. Because the three biggest choices you're going to make are who are you going to serve? So are you going to live for the Almighty? Is the fear of the Lord going to be the beginning of wisdom for you? Is the knowledge of the Holy One going to bring understanding to your life? First, and we all know, biggest choice, right? All agreed on that. <laughs> Second big choice, will you follow the Almighty's calling on your life to be who he calls you to be. No more, but no less. Will you? That is the obedience question of all of us. Will we pursue the will of God? Will we pursue that hook that he's put into our life and that he pulls on? Or will we go our own way? And I think third biggest choice, along with the other two, is who you choose to do it with. Because you make a wrong choice there, uh, you probably don't go where you're intended to go. And I'm not making this up. The Bible, especially Proverbs, talks about what kind of men or women you hang around with, <laughs> who you let into your life, who becomes close to you. Who do you get in covenant with? Now, this lady came to college in Edmonton with a hook in her heart already about God's call in her life. Raised in a family that didn't know Jesus, she even would sneak out of second floor windows to go and worship with God's people, had a call in her life, had people from outside of her family circle who poured into her. She came all the way out at the age of 18 to be part of an outreach in Jasper, Alberta, said, I want to follow up on this. I'm going to go to Bible college. The only place she could afford back in those days was Edmonton. So all the way back to New Brunswick on the CN, pack her trunk, and back out to Edmonton. She came walking in one day to our class. Here she comes walking in, you know. You know. No, I was attracted by God's call in her life. <laughs> But you know, it doesn't hurt you, young men and young women, to hear somebody get up after 46 years of marriage in one of the most critical choices you'll make about whether you're going to be wisdom or wise or foolish. And I understand there, there's no lock. You're dealing with two people in covenant. People can make choices. I get all that. But still in the will of God, it's good to make a wise choice. And I'm here to say, I chose wisely. Well, isn't that good to hear? And don't get me wrong. She's spunky. I'm a leader. She's a leader. We have some great fights. <laughs> Sometimes they're not so wise. But you go for long walks. Talks, you keep the covenant side going really strong because you're rooted in the covenant love of God. 
I've lost many of my college friends who felt they were called by God and that they were going to follow Jesus all the days of their lives because they made stupid choices. Wise choices accumulate over time. They become the blessing of God. Unwise choices accumulate over time. and They lead to hurt and brokenness, just the way Proverbs describes. And you can blame God if you want, but really, are we choosing wisely or do we choose foolish? So pursue knowledge and understanding. That's the first main point you'll see throughout the Proverbs in so many passages. Just make note, uh, Proverbs 4, read verses 1 through 7 again to remind yourself Proverbs 2 like I read. Just get that into your hearts. I have to get wisdom. I have to get wisdom. Where do I get wisdom? I get it from the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of the wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One will bring my understanding. Secondly, it addresses moral ethics. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep a path far from her. Do not go near the doors of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Verse 15 of the same proverb, drink water from your own sister, running water from your own well. Don't you love these metaphors for uh, sex with your wife or your husband? <laughs> That's really what that is. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. See, you're back to the side that if you want to know God as he is, the knowledge of the Holy One, it's covenantal love. It's commitment, and it's joy, and it's life, it's fun. <laughs> but we make moral choices, not just in the area of sexuality. The Bible, throughout especially Proverbs, talks a great deal about ethical choices you make. And again, wisdom will build your life. Unwise choices, we crash and we burn. Now, when we make unwise choices, maybe some of you made unwise choices Yesterday, <laughs> well, we all make choices, and sometimes, you know, never forget the concept of repentance. The Holy One is always there to turn back around and say, I need you. I've just become convinced once again that your ways are wise and good and whole and have a purpose and have a hope. I want to run to that. So I run away from the things that could kill me, destroy. And so we repent. That's a wise choice. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So that it addresses material well-being. Interestingly enough, both when you go through the Gospels about what specific issue did Jesus speak to most commonly, and you go through the Proverbs and see what a lot of the uh, how it all adds up in Proverbs, material well-being, how we address the material world, including finances and so on, always have basically the most references. Why is that? Well, you know and I know material comfort, money, etc. has a huge allure to it. 
Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Can I hear an amen from the prairie people? And your vats will brim over with new wine. Can I hear an amen from the old Kanagan people? All right. <laughs> a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. See, you're going to make some real practical choices over the next little while about what you do with what God entrusts you as a steward with. And you're just going to make an accumulation of decisions that I trust will be wise. And as you make wise choices, you see there's an accumulation again about how you can choose to be someone who shares God's blessing with others. Might be in the material, the money realm, your time, your energy. You see, you're given assets, you're given gifts, you're given talents. Even as Jesus is talking about the last days in Matthew 24 and 25, he brings it down to parables, and one of them is, hey, you've got talents, keep using them. <laughs> keep investing. Even in the last days, when hell seems to be breaking out on the planet, <laughs> you know, keep being about the kingdom. Keep giving of yourselves. I'll tell you, I've been to a few too many funerals lately, but the people that have given generously of their lives, time, energy, money, from their calling before God, they are rich in the people that rise up and call them blessed, right from their own families all the way through to their colleagues and friends, right to strangers, people are only in the community, because they got it right. That's wisdom. We don't make it about ourselves. My wife doesn't know this story, so if she gets up and walks out, we'll work through it with our covenant love. But... Um, getting my hair cut in Burlington last Tuesday. My guy's he's running late. Can you go over to Tim's? Yeah, you know, Tim's. And can you go over to Tim's? And you know, six o'clock. Sue was already out west here, so I thought, well, I'm a bachelor. I'll go through Tim's, get a wrap, get a coffee. You know, and then I'll go back and get butchered. You know. So, anyways, I. Uh, I'm talking to this gal, and right away, the Spirit says, pay attention. She's about your age, most of you young women. She's working at Tim's minimum wage, trying to make a go of it, and the Lord just really gives me heart for her. And I had a $100 bill in my wallet. Go figure. Where'd that come from? I don't know. So I said, I've been trying to break this. Can, can, are, am I able to pay with? No, sorry, sorry, we can't take that. And you know. then I looked at her and I said, what would you do with a $100 bill? And she got shocked. She said, well, I might be able to pay my rent. And she was serious. So I said, hey, it's yours. Are you serious? And tears started coming. She turned away for a minute, and she came back with my order. She said, are you sure? I said, 
Listen, there's just one thing I want you to hear loud and clear. God bless you. God bless you. No big deal. I, I had $100 to give. But more importantly is when you live in the presence of God and you ask him for wisdom about your material well-being and other areas of gifts and talents he gives you, he'll lead you to the right people at the right time to put something into their life that's like an investment in the spirit that you pray they'll never forget. God cares about all the young adults working minimum wage, struggling through a pandemic, trying to figure out how they're going to make a go in life, feeling the oppression of this moment, many of them dealing with mental well-being. You know, if you can show up for three minutes in their life and do something tangible that might just make a difference, you know, we're kingdom people. I think I made a wise choice. I could have given the 100 bucks to one of you, but, you know, it's kind of... <laughs> okay, I'm just going to rattle through the... I'm going to rattle through these. I know we've got lunch, but just, just so you got time, I, I want you to make note of the, our relationship with God. This is the one everybody knows out of Proverbs, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Um, our every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. <laughs> Like God's truth, <laughs> you know, right now we're in an era where the blind lead the blind. It's really good to know the truth of God if you're going to make wise choices about your life and calling. Number five, interpersonal, oh man, I should take forever on this one. Um, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. Stone is heavy and sand a burden but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Believe me, as a general superintendent, I know that. <laughs> Anger is cruel, fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. I just said goodbye to a dear friend in May, and the great thing about our relationship is him, Murray, and I were iron sharpening iron, but out of deep, deep love for each other. And if anything good and positive has happened in the Pentecostal family under our leadership, it's because we also received the rebukes as well as the compliments from each other because we knew it would make us more like Jesus and better in the mission of God. I believe that proverb because I've lived it with my friends. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Let me uh, give you another one. I'd like you to actually write this down. Proverbs 18, 17, especially in an age of social media. Wisdom in overseeing relationships includes Proverbs 18, 17. In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. <laughs> you'll see stuff thrown around on social media and you'll become so convinced. And isn't this a terrible... Uh, harm that's been done, and all oh, that person. And uh, let me ask you, how many sources do you have? Have you heard the other sources? You know, you know, 
Um, wisdom says you don't immediately leap to judgment. Now, that doesn't mean you don't respond to people who are hurting. I Like all the time in my role, I need to respond to hurting people. And here's the point. They could be well hurt because of, you know, reasons that are very real, and they need to be addressed. So the last thing I want to do is come across in any way, like you're not listening, that you're not feeling, right? But I also know I need to hear more. So hard in the social media world where it winds up so fast to say, I need to hear more. And I care. Don't stop caring. Don't stop listening in the sense of listening to people's hurt and so on. But don't wear it as if it's the God-given truth until, like Proverbs says, 1817, have we heard the whole story? The fact is, some of us will never hear the whole story. But we know one who's heard the whole story. That's why the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. <laughs> it's not very good when we start to get our vengeful swords out and start swinging them at one another. Because we may not have the whole story. I'll tell you, in leadership, you really got to learn that one. Uh, you know, Proverbs 18, 17. Everyone got that down? Family relationships. I talk quite a bit about family and even about uh, Susan. And uh, But uh, here's a, some scriptures to make note of. Uh, wisdom is built and through understanding is established. Notice wisdom, knowledge, understanding again. The trio, the troika. You want to build a home. They've got to be there. And its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And uh, my dad passed away on Good Friday. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. And may she give you birth. I'm just glad my dad died proud of me. I'm glad my dad, with all he invested into my life and God's calling in my life, all the character and integrity he showed around me, I'm just glad. And I spent those last couple of days with my dad in Edmonton that he was proud of me. Be a wise daughter. Be a wise son. Make the right people proud of you. And don't get sucked in by the people that you don't need to make proud. And most of all, make the Almighty proud of you. The Proverbs is full of contrast between righteous and wicked. I'll leave it at that. Again, this passage is uh, phenomenal. And uh, I hope today... You just leave with a very clear understanding of wisdom will make you or break you. And so live in the presence of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We press in to know him. Because if I know him, I'll have knowledge. I'll have wisdom. I'll have understanding.
So I'd like to pray this prayer out of Ephesians uh, with you. Would you stand, please? And with this, we'll wrap up. Thanks for the extra time I took from you. Receive this uh, prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to what he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Lord, I pray for these, my brothers and sisters in Jesus today. Lord, I pray that each one would again revel in the fact that they have been called to know you and to love you and to have your word living and active in their lives. And Lord, to have your presence, your powerful, active presence at work in them as they go about life making choices. I pray, Lord, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you on every woman and man in this room from the youngest to the oldest. Let the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. Lord, we know the evil one is at work in our culture, is at work in the lives of generations that he wants to rob, steal, and destroy. Lord, we raise up a standard against him in Jesus' name, and we believe for a generation that will know the fear of the Lord and will know wisdom, and be full of the knowledge of God, and with understanding, live out lives that are marked by the fruit of wisdom. In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen.